Please excuse the variation in ambient noise during this episode, as one of the conversations took place outside in a park because of the COVID pandemic. Welcome to What the Foster, a podcast dedicated to giving a voice to the voiceless. With all the misconceptions about foster care out there, we think these stories will shed some light on what it really means to spend time in the system. What the Foster is produced by Umbrella, a New Jersey foster care nonprofit, and I'm your host, Rachel Turan. Then that's when I decided that like it's time for me to like take a step and change my life around because like I didn't want to live like this anymore. I didn't want to continue like experiencing all this trouble with like other people. That's Jihad a former New Jersey foster care scholar. He's talking about being a teenager, having been bounced around from home to home, understandably having problems with relationships, and deciding that he wanted more stability in his life. Stay tuned to find out what spurred Jihad's desire for change. For now, let's start at the beginning. Jihad's case with the Division of Child Protection and Permanency began when he was removed from his parents' home at age two. So my grandfather stepped in and um, obtained KLG, which stands for Kinship Legal Guardianship. Well, my grandfather was older at that time, so I got, um, he had KLG of me. And then at that time, I was staying with um, my other grandmother in East North New Jersey. So I was there from kindergarten to fourth grade. So I was there for like three to four years. Now my grandfather originally isn't from New Jersey. He's from Atmore, Alabama. One day I went to Alabama and then my grandfather said, how would you like to move down here live. So Jihad moved from New Jersey, where he'd lived until fourth grade, to live in Alabama. But the living conditions wasn't the best because like we stayed in a um, mobile house or mobile home, where they call them trailers. Like they're like very popular down south. And that's where we stayed at. So it was me, my cousin, and my grandfather and his twin brother. That situation, like that trailer wasn't like the best because like I know there's like a lot of like um, mechanical issues going on inside the home, but I know there's been some times where like we've been without heat, and then there's been some times in the summer we've been without air, and I know sometimes we've been without food as well. On top of the difficult living situation, Jihad was also adjusting to an entirely new environment in rural Alabama. Well, I mean, in Alabama, everything's like more like country style, you know, so like whenever you're on a road, like you see like a lot of cows and like dogs, cats, like animals. You see like a lot of cornfields, ochre fields, um, sweet potatoes, squash, like it went out and then like you have these trees that grow pecans on them and then like whenever they fall, you can collect them and then um, certain places buy them for weight. The way my grandfather raised me was quite different. Like I know he always wanted me to come with him. Like whenever I wasn't in school, he always wanted me to come with him to um, go pick okra or go pick squash like to the fields and like he always wanted me to help him out with things going on around the house too. While there wasn't the most to do in his new environment, there were activities in Alabama that Jihad enjoyed. Like there's not really a lot of amenities or things to do down there in Alabama. Oh I did like to go fishing. That's something my grandfather loved too. We had two boats actually at that time. So we would go fishing in Pensacola, Florida. Like he would um, connect his boat, like connect the trailer to the truck and then we would drive it to Florida. And then we did, we did go fishing. I would go out of town to like Mobile, Alabama, to the um, Bel Air Mall, or Pensacola, Florida, to the Cordova Mall. I mean, other than like going out of town, really. But Jihad was having trouble in Alabama. 
basically when I was in Alabama, like I was experiencing like all types of problems in regards to like my family down there and other kids down there. And I was like, um, experienced, like experiencing challenges in school. So at that point, it just became like so unbearable. This is understandable for someone who has been uprooted, lived in different locations, and not had the most stability. Even adolescents without externalizing behavioral problems before entering care are likely to develop behavioral challenges if they are moved, given the additional trauma that accompanies increased numbers of relocations. One study, which controlled for children's behavior at entry into foster care, found that children who'd been in multiple homes had between 36 and 63% greater risk of developing behavioral challenges than did children with more stability. Like, I know, like, I have certain family members down there, too, that I would talk to. They're not, like, immediate family members. They're, like, cousins and whatnot. And it's, like, my cousins kind of knew what I was going through at that time with my grandfather. So then I know they would help me. And then I also had um, neighbors, too, who noticed what was going on because, like, they knew my grandfather. Through Facebook, Jihad got in contact with his aunt and uncle, who were living in New Jersey at the time. So I met them via Facebook, and we were speaking for, like, a month or two. And then, like, I was speaking with them. And then they saw what was going on and how the living situation was. Because, like, it wasn't the best. My Aunt Kathy and Uncle Sydney are, so um, they were the ones who helped me the most um, get me back up here to Jersey, along with my sister Latoya. So I think it was actually my sister Latoya's idea to um, help get me back up here. So, you know, I was definitely um, grateful for that and appreciative that, you know, she took the initiative to try to bring me back in. She was actually going to um, open up her house to let me come live there, but she already has, like, a lot of kids there anyway, so... I know it probably would have been like challenging to like have a fifth boy there because like she has like all boys. So. so Jihad ended up back in New Jersey. Now he had to adjust again to a new environment and in particular, a new school system. Well, I know that like I feel like the education up here is like, um, you know, it's fast paced. Like it was a tough transition too, like enrolling in high school here. And especially because like um, New Jersey was trying to contact Alabama in regards to like some of my credits and stuff, like getting that transferred up here. An Atlantic article from 2014 says that children in foster care move schools at least once or twice a year, with kids often moving more than 15 times during the course of their time in the system. On top of adjusting to a new school, Jihad had new parent figures in his aunt and uncle, and they did things differently than his grandfather had. When I was living in Alabama, I had like no type of structure. Like I didn't have like people tell me like what to do or like when to eat or be home by this time or whatnot. But when I got back to New Jersey, my aunt Kathy and Uncle Sydney set the limits and they put structure into place. I didn't finish out freshman year at my aunt and Uncle Sydney's house. I was kind of like disobedient and whatnot and get into trouble at school. So during the month of May was when I transitioned from their house to a foster home. And I was 15 at the time. And this is like right at the end of um, my freshman year in high school. Leaving their home began Jihad's flurry of movement from home to home in New Jersey. I kind of felt like abandoned, neglected, like some of my family members, like, or that my parents couldn't take me, like my immediate family members that weren't interested in um, taking me in and help provide for me. So, I mean, to be honest, like years ago, that kind of did hurt. Like back when I was like 15 and 14 and younger, um, I used to always like find myself like, I don't know, feeling like very depressed almost, like borderline depressed about not being able to um, with my parents and whatnot. So my first foster home, not counting uh, my aunt and uncle, but my first foster home 
was in Newark, New Jersey um, at the time when I left my aunt and uncle's house. I mean, the experience wasn't terrible. Like the lady was fine, but then she also had a son of her own who was living there too. So like, I didn't think that he liked the fact that I was living there as well. We asked Jihad if the other boy in the house treated him okay while he was there. Like, I tried to like stay at the house as much as possible and do what I had to do. But when I was there, I mean, like, no, not really. Yeah, I, I mean, no, I didn't really tell her much about that. But I mean, she's okay. Like, we went, we've been out before, like, went out places like Walmart. And like, I used to always go shopping with her or grocery shopping with her. And I know we went out to um, dinner like every other month, but. And then when I was there, I mean, it wasn't the best, like, no, that actually wasn't like a great situation because like the neighborhood was in and the people I was surrounded by, like, it wasn't the best for me. Jihad was in the foster home for two months before he moved again. And then after I left the foster home, then I went to a higher level of care, as they would call it, a program under Children's Aid and Family Services called Underwood um, Treatment Home. And what that was, um, it was a lady and her husband who lived inside the house. And like, it was a program, but it was like, built in the form of a house, because like they tried to make it as like homey as possible. So Jihad moved to what he refers to as a higher level of care, in this case, a residential group home. The Family First Prevention Services Act of 2018 places an emphasis on family foster homes, like the kind that Jihad was in before this placement, and limits the use of group homes. According to childwelfare.gov, Placement in a group or residential care facility should only be considered once community-based services have been proven ineffective. So things that end up working out over there, and then what happened was things started to change drastically. Like I went to this place, so it's called an RTC, which stands for Residential Treatment Center. It was called Curia Clinic, and that's actually over here in Belmead. So it's like somewhere near here. And I was there from September 9th of 2016 to August 17th of 2017. I was there for... Um, 11 months. Then that's when I decided that like it's time for me to like take a step and change my life around because like I didn't want to live like this anymore. I didn't want to continue like experiencing all this trouble with like other people. According to their website, Carrier Clinic is a behavioral health facility. They have addiction programs, behavioral health programs, and more. Compared to the homes Jihad was in before, adolescents at Carrier Clinic have more difficult behaviors and there are more rules and restrictions in this setting. All the kids that were there, including myself, like comes from all types of different backgrounds. So, you know, there's like some more like aggressive kids. So I know that like people had different personalities in there for sure, but um, I really wasn't aggressive. I'd probably say like, you know, back then I was just probably like um, defiant or whatever. I, was, I wasn't really aggressive. I didn't really um, get into fights over there or like, like they have like a bunch of rules, like a million rules. and. Like, some of it is, like, crazy. Like, you know, um, like, for example, um, they had certain times you could make phone calls. And you could only be on the phone for 10 minutes, like, which was crazy. So, like, whoever you wanted to call, I think you get, like, three, two or three phone calls a day. You could only be on them for, um, for 10 minutes. You get to um, give the phone to the next person. Yeah, I mean, you don't even get the option to, like, hang the phone up. So it actually hangs up automatically <laughs> once you get to 10 minutes. It was a great learning experience to um, prevent me from, um, you know, possibly going to any JDC or anything like that. Jihad is referring to the New Jersey Juvenile Justice Commission, or JJC, and had the experience of being physically locked inside a carrier clinic with all the rules and restrictions made him realize that he didn't want to end up in JJC. Unfortunately, the foster-to-prison pipeline, as it is sometimes called, is a very real thing. 
According to the Juvenile Law Center, about 90% of youth who are moved more than five times will enter the justice system. My life did a um, complete 360 after leaving Carrier Clinic, and things definitely weren't the same. That's when I went to the place called St. Peter's Orphanage. Even though there is an overall shift away from group homes, for some youth, positive changes have occurred in these settings. I'll have to say that St. Peter's Orphanage is actually one of the best steps, um, one of the best things that has happened um, to me while I was growing up. Because when I was there, I mean, I worked with a lot of the direct care staff on a lot of different things like self-sufficiency and even more like independent living skills like cooking, um, saving, budgeting, and stuff like that. Like, I think I was 16 at the time when I went to St. Peter's and within like five months of me being there, I actually got a job. Yeah, just the resources that, um, you know, St. Peter's have. I mean, that's where I learned a lot of my um, like self-sufficiency skills, like doing laundry, waking up on your own, going to school, and cleaning, chores. And then there's um, an administrator who was very supportive. Uh, you remember Mel, so yeah, Melody was great, so. We spoke with Melody, too, who was the program administrator at St. Peter's at the time, about her role and the role of St. Peter's Village, as it's now called, in serving these youth. Our ratio for staffing is four to one. So we have one staff for every four kids, which really gives individualized treatment and care. We also have um, two therapists that are here Monday through Friday, but available 24 seven to the children. It's like, as soon as you come in here, or it's just always been a welcoming atmosphere, like from the floor staff to the chef, and then to the um, therapist and everyone else who works here. And then while I was there, I was able to like work on um, personal problems, like such as like mental health and um, things like that, and um, receive clinical services from a therapist at St. Peter's. Like we spoke about things that are going on in my life and with my family, and then like and come up with um, goals and ways to like um, alleviate the stress and um, hurt, and then try to um, like fix it. Not fix it, but like try to cope with it. Beyond focusing directly on healing mental health. St. Peter's also focused on art as a means of healing. Jihad was a part of the band. Yeah, totally. And they had the opportunity to go to Florida. We reached out and we made sure that we were able to raise the funds for him to attend that so that he got to experience it. Because it, it also helped with the growth, the personal growth. He was going to experience going on something with classmates with an organization who's part of the band and who's gonna to get to perform. And and that's a, a big piece of what we feel helps the kids to grow. I was like constantly moving. So 2016 to 2021, I relocated, let me see, three, four, like five times maybe. Uh, I mean, well, I got affected by it with school, especially because like, it was like, um, difficult evidence from all these different schools. Going through so many school changes makes it incredibly difficult to keep up with one's education. And that's how Jihad and I originally connected in piecing together his education and getting to know what he had been through educationally. Like in eighth grade, I didn't think that I'd be going to college. Like, I always said that I wanted to be, like, a bus driver because, like, I used to like to drive a lot. And then being that we drove young down in Alabama, I used to, like, drive my grandfather's truck a lot. When Jihad first came to me, he really felt defeated okay. in that nobody 
was hearing what he had to say. It was important to me to make him feel as though he had an advocate in the race because I think he felt as though he wasn't heard. At 17 years old, Jahad was balancing paying for a car, car insurance, gas, living on his own in the independent cottage and working two jobs while going to school full time. After first meeting Jihad over two years ago, we were able to meet up again recently and chat about where he is in life today. My career goals have actually changed since then, so uh, I'm actually majoring in education right now and I'm looking at becoming a teacher. Um, maybe English, I was actually considering English, so I mean, I like writing. We also discussed coping skills for when he, like everyone, gets stressed. I mean, yeah, so self-care I really do is like, I really actually go out to the mall sometimes and out to the movies and I like to go ice skating sometimes too, so I do um, stuff like that, but... His family also remains incredibly important to him. So I actually um, see both sides of my family, so... Um, I see my mother's side of the family and I see my father's side of the family. I mean, I really talk to all my sisters, like I try to keep in contact with like all my siblings, um, actually. I have four sisters and three brothers, so... So I definitely um, lost touch with them for a few years when I went to Alabama. And then, I mean, like one of them I didn't even meet until 2016, so... Didn't even know about him until I came back up here. My older sister Shantae, like, you know, she's um, amazing. Like, she's very supportive. And, you know, I can always, like, go to her and talk to her about things. My second older sister, Latoya, like, you know, she's, like, very busy. So sometimes we go a while without catching up. But I'll see her, like, every now and then at, like, events and whatnot. And then Nadja, um, my third older sister, like, we talk um, often, too, sometimes. And sometimes I, like, go over there and see her. So both my older sisters have four, um, four kids each. I'll go and um, visit them every now and then, like whenever I'm free. Or, yeah, I mean, yeah, I do see them. So my parents aren't together anymore, um, but I do see them. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky, but I mean, it's fine. So I think I actually speak to my mother more than I speak to my father. So my mother lives in New York and my father lives in East Orange, New Jersey. Right now, on top of school, Jihad is working as a direct support professional for adults with disabilities. I go to work Sunday through Wednesday, and then when I'm not at work, I'm either at home or at school. Um, you know, you just go to the house, and you know, you just sit with them, <clears throat> watch TV with them, help them cook, like help them with basic life skills like cleaning, cooking, laundry, and stuff like that. I enjoy working with people when I'm compassionate, um, well, especially with these people that have disabilities. Having patience and like being able to help somebody, um, you have to like really take like more time to really work with them and help them do things. Jihad also has his own apartment now, a space that's his, where he gets to make his own rules. It really is nice um, having, <laughs> having your own space, I'll tell you. So, you know, after like a long day of work or school, I mean, I just come home and relax, do schoolwork, you know, and watch, not live with people. Well, I mean, you know, I loved people before, but it's just nice, um, you know, just do your own thing. I do, I mean, I do like being alone. I wouldn't say I love it, because like, um, after a while, like, I do want to be around somebody, but yeah, it's nice being alone. So. We asked Jihad what advice he might give to others going through things similar to what he experienced. I mean, really, I've learned that like, no matter what situation you're in, like, try to make the best of it and like, always be grateful for what's going on. Because like, I know there's like, other kids out there who are struggling, and there was other kids out there struggling more than me, but I know things could always be worse and whatnot. So really, it's just like, um, try to be grateful um, for what you have and try to live in the moment. And then like, 
if you do have problems going on or like if you need support, then I would say to like contact or not contact, but like reach out to, you know, whatever family member you have, if you have any family members. And if not, then I would say like reach out to someone like a social worker or some like, I don't know, like a person from somewhere that could help you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of What the Foster, where we try to bring light to experiences that often go unnoticed. You can find out more information about Umbrella's many services and programs for resource families and youth in care at umbrella.org. That's E-M-B-R-E-L-L-A dot org. Or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at umbrella.nj. Our vision is a future where all youth and families thrive in safe, stable, and nurturing homes.